just trying to shoot the moon Isn't everything we've got that's just a piece of a spoon Welcome to The Word Witch, a podcast for the modern magical soul, exploring tarot, astrology, belief, and more from a queer witch, that's me, in conversation with folks making magic from the margins. I'm your host, Claire Burgess. Let's make some magic. Hello, my friends, my witches, my seekers, and welcome to a new podcast episode. Uh, Today, we're going to, um, I'm going to be bringing you a really great, great conversation that I had with Louise Novembre of Novembre Tarot. Um, Apologies for my horrible pronunciation every single time I'm going to try to say that. Um, I had a really fantastic conversation with Louise in which we cover topics from language, religion as a language, tarot as a language, um, to the archetypes of the witch and the knight, to uh, fantasy writing, to activism as a witch, um, to to Louise's decks that they have created. It's a it's a wonderful conversation. Oh, also tattooing, tattooing as ritual. It's <laughs> uh, this conversation uh, blew my mind every single time I've listened to it. So I can't wait to bring that to you all. Uh, first, though, it's Aquarius season. I'm an Aquarius sun, so. This is my season. And, you know, I I almost said, and I'm so happy for it to be here, but like that's not really super true right at this moment. <laughs> uh, recently, I've I feel like I've been having some of the more like um negative Aquarian side effects happening. But regardless, um, I want to uh to talk a little bit about Aqu- Aquarius um and what the sign is and the tarot tarot card associated with Aquarius, which is the star. All right, so Aquarius is uh the zodiac sign that. Um, is often associated with like weirdos with um, there's like a, a joke that Aquarians are like sort of like the weirdo space aliens of the Zodiac, um, which is like not a um, stereotype that I hate. <laughs> like That's okay. <laughs> I'm fine with that. That's somewhat correct, um, at least in my experience of being a- an Aquarius. So there's this idea of Aquarians being really eccentric, really original um, and unique, which is not like, I mean, not necessarily in like, I'm patting myself on the back, I'm such an original sort of way, but like uh, Aquarians maybe tend to pride themselves in originality to the extent that like sometimes it's annoying (laughs) because they're always you know trying to be on like the outside or on the cutting edge or um, you know that person who only listens to the bands that nobody knows about and as soon as they get popular they hate them because they've sold out like you know that that kind of thing that kind of thing that's one side of the Aquarian um, emphasis on 
uh, originality and uniqueness and eccentricity. Um, the the other side, though, which I think can be really good and wonderful, and um, which you know we can all be a part of um, and use Aquarius, maybe Aquarius season as um, an opportunity to sort of to sort of like explore this or or give ourselves a boost in this direction is Aquarius is um, a really a good opportunity to explore our own uniqueness and individuality and like weird perspectives on things. Like it's a great time and a great invitation to get weird, (laughs) get weird or get innovative to, to play with ideas, to be a little bit like, um, to be a little bit irreverent even, to be a little revolutionary um, in our own lives and our practices and our thought patterns and our projects. Um, Aquarius, uh, the ruling planet of Aquarius is Uranus. Um, Uranus being the planet, the rebel, the planet of surprises. It's the only planet in our solar system that rotates, that revolves on its side um, instead of like on on the um, vertical axis, it rotates on a horizontal axis or, or more horizontal axis. It does things differently, you know? And now the other thing that I want to talk about with Aquarius is um, its emphasis on the collective. So Aquarius rules the 11th house in astrology, which is the, the house of the collective, um, the collective being all of us, um, like the collective of humanity. And so in Aquarius, there's um, this unique thing where we have on the one hand, this um, emphasis on personal uniqueness and difference and, and eccentricity. And on the other, a very, very much collective mindedness where there's an emphasis on um, uh, progress, liberation, forward thinking, sort of for the betterment of the collective, for the betterment of humanity. It's a very, um, a very humanitarian sign. I also want to talk about uh, the the tarot card associated with Aquarius, which is the star. Number 17, the star. This uh, tarot card is like, I don't probably one of the like favorite tarot cards for most people. It's a really lovely card. Whenever it shows up in a reading, um, it usually comes with just like a feeling of, of peace of healing, of uh, ascension in a way, like spiritual ascension. In the uh, Smithwaite deck, this card is pictured as a uh, naked female-bodied person carrying, holding two jugs of water. Um, They're straddling like the border of a pond. They're kneeling and one, like their knee is on land and their foot is on water and they're pouring one jug onto the land and one jug into the water. Y'all know what I'm, y'all know what I'm talking about. This image um, is, first of all, just one of the most peaceful images in the whole tarot deck. The fact that the figure in this card is naked shows a, a sort of safety and vulnerability and at the same time a sense of wholeness and rightness and possibly acceptance. Like if you're naked, you're not, um, I mean, 
a lot of times we as humans are naked and this is not necessarily true, but symbolically when you're naked, you're not trying to hide anything. Um, you are symbolically going, this is me, nothing, no, no disguises, no costumes, no frills. This is just raw, essential me. So in that sort of stripped down identity, stripped down sense of self or oneness, like core, core like essence of a person or a soul, this is what I think um, a lot of, uh, possibly a, a lot of Aquarians want or Aquarius as a zodiac sign um, can sort of model for us. But at the same time, it also means that's what a whole lot of us Aquarians are fucking terrified of. <laughs> like on the one hand, we want to be seen and appreciated for our individuality, for our, you know, special qualities, um, if you will, but on the other are totally terrified of people actually seeing us for who we are and then deciding that we're not as like, we're not all that. So that, that like vulnerability, um, that vulnerability and at the same time confidence in the figure's nudity in the star is something that um, perhaps is like the highest level of like ascended Aquarius. Now let's talk about that, those water jugs and that pool a little bit. So they, the pool of water um, is uh, supposed to uh, represent the collective unconscious. The cups, uh, the jugs in their hands um, can be seen as many, many different dualities, uh, one of which it, it would be like the subconscious and the conscious minds. Others might be like the, the uh, receptive principle and the projective active principle, those two like core dualities at the like um, – that are presented to us throughout the tarot. And they're emptying their jugs onto the earth and into the pool. And so there's like this sense of giving back uh, or returning the waters to the land and to the pool. Um, there's a sense of nourishing. Uh, there's a sense of like restoring. And that I think connects with the... Um, the whole Aquarian collective good thing, right? Um, the star in essence is a card, I think, about restoring hope, about healing, about um, restoring like hope through spirituality in a way or through like a connection to to spirit or to source or or to our own like eternal essences, our souls. Um, the star is the card that comes directly after the tower and after some of the hardest cards in tarot, after the tower and the devil and death and the hanged man. And as such, uh, Aquarius is is kind of like um, in that nakedness and the vulnerability of the figure, we can see like the tower's effects of uh, like all all the trappings have been ripped away. All of the towers of illusion and delusion have been toppled. Um, in the star, we're we're kind of left with like we might feel like we've been left with nothing once we get to this place. It's everything else has been stripped away, and that stripping is necessary. The tower arrives most of the time, I think, to to awaken us to structures that really are holding us back. Um, 
and sort of push us into our own um, higher evolutions. And in the star, we've been through that. We've been through the shit. We have been through the hardest of hards. And when, I mean, as I'm sure all of you can probably attest, um, once you go through those really difficult experiences, most of the time, if you're doing it, at least if you're doing it with, you know, with a certain amount of like awareness, then what you find in those horrible moments, those difficult moments is yourself. And sometimes that's the only thing we find there. Sometimes a tower takes away everything else, our relationships, our jobs, our whatever the case may be. And what we're left with is just that core self. That's essential, that essential um, light that each of us have. And I say light because it's the star. It's the North Star. It's the guiding star. And in the nighttime, if we don't have anything else, um, at least we have that. At least we have that to help us find our way. Yeah. So this Aquarius season, maybe things will feel good and great. Maybe it will feel uh, inspired to try something new, to get a little um, revolutionary. (laughs) Maybe we'll embrace our eccentricities. Maybe we'll we'll find a way to band together with other people in our community to do something for our collective greater good. Or maybe we'll just find some hope. Yeah, maybe we will be able to rediscover some of our hope through acceptance and self-trust and oneness of, of self. Yeah, so... I think that's all I'm going to say about the star for now. Um, We will talk more about the star in the Tarot Number Family series when we get to that point. Um, It belongs to the eight family as number 17. One plus seven is eight. So we'll talk more about that when we get there. But yeah, until then, um, from my my weirdo space alien eclectic heart to yours, (laughs) I hope you find a way to appreciate yourself, to value your strangeness, (laughs) to um, allow yourself to exist without, without needing the approval or validation of other people, but instead just to exist because that's who you are. I really, really wish that for you and for me (laughs) this season. Yeah. All right, so it's time to go over to our interview uh, with Louise Novambra, creator of the Tarot of Devotion. And stay tuned after the episode. I have a few updates uh, from Louise on on their projects and their uh, tarot guide and an Instagram challenge that they're doing, which relates to one of the things that we're talking about in this episode, which is the suit of swords. So yeah, now I'll just, I'm going to hand over to um, this amazing conversation. I hope that you all enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you again, Louise, so much for coming on to talk to me. Okay, here you go. (laughs) 
Hello, Louise. Thank you Hello. so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me. Um, uh, first, uh, let's start with you introducing yourself. And uh, can you include your pronouns that you use too, please? Yeah, totally. So I am uh, November or Louise. I'm a generally creative person from France. Mm -hmm. uh, I draw and I write and I have a day job as a tattoo artist and uh, just generally very busy starving artist on the go <laughs> <laughs> i think that tattoo artist is like the most yeah. exciting day job that you could oh, possibly it's, it's have amazing i know <laughs> it's a hustle but it's fucking great yeah. and uh, and i would love to go by they for the purpose of this podcast we can talk about that actually that's been a big subject in my life perfect <laughs> so perfect thank you louise <laughs> Uh, and for and for the the non French speaking people, um, Louise's last name, Novembre is. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm butchering it. Novembre, yeah, I know that's hard. <laughs> right, right. It's spelled November, but with the R and E switched. So, yep. French French version of of November. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, okay, let's uh let's start with um. Why don't we start with how you discovered tarot, and then we'll work into all these other topics and talk yeah. about pronouns and all that stuff. Yeah, totally. I discovered actually tarot like years and years ago because my friend Caroline, shout out to Caroline, uh, got me into it. Like she started exploring it, but it was like it was the traditional Marseille tarot, mm -hmm. and I was like really like interested in it. I thought it was a fascinating thing, and I read the book by uh, Jodorowsky. Is it Jodorowsky? This guy, very famous guy who did a big book on it, and I thought mm -hmm. it was fascinating, but it never really clicked that hard for me. Mm -hmm. I think because those were practices where you use only the major arcana, oh. and so it's always very intense <laughs> and complicated and whatever. And recently I discovered the, um, the Waith uh, Smith tarot and yeah. sort of things like clicked into place like immediately in a very, very different way. I think it's because you've got all this like beautiful complexity of the minors. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm pretty sure the fact that it was drawn by a woman has, had something to do yeah. with that. Because all those booklets on the Marseille Tarot, they're always like so like gendered and intense about symbols and like mm -hmm. all this ancient sort of Christian traditions and everything that was like, uh, this is very interesting, but I was like really outside of it. Mm -hmm. And then with the Smithwaite, I was like, oh, here it is. Like I found it. And of course, I discovered all the beautiful community on Instagram of like yeah. queer tarot readers and that was when like this completely exploded in my life yeah. yes <laughs> I don't think it, I don't think it would have in the same way if I had not discovered like all those super fascinating people who are making like contemporary tarot oh yeah and are not like stuck in the medieval yeah version yeah. of it so yeah so that was my and so for a bit less than a year now so not that long I've been like really trying to study it as much as I can and in the little like spaces in my life and just mm -hmm. use it every day mm -hmm. yeah. that's so interesting uh your, re your reaction to um the marseille compared to the yeah. smith weight or the weight smith mm -hmm. tarot i i totally agree and like do you yeah. think it's um uh like the like marseille has such sort of like static almost like two-dimensional images like yeah, the art it's, it's on true, it yeah Mm. Which is which is really interesting and like a, a product of the times when it was made because I'm pretty sure yeah. it's like woodblock prints or something. Which yeah, is cool. for sure. 
that's why I love it like aesthetically. I'm <laughs> obsessed by it like completely, but it feels very, I feel like it, it feels like a bit like my tarot. It feels like frescoes on a wall. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the Smithwaite feels like a bustling city full of people that's actually alive. Oh wow! Yeah, you know, to me, yeah, so makes a huge difference. That's a great description of it. That really is. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, okay, cool. So, so how since you've been uh, studying tarot and practicing tarot, um, how has it? Uh, affected your life or has it affected your life like what what ripple effects have you seen (laughs) oh it has for sure because it has like taught me to sort of just make space to read tarot in my day which is really hard as an independent artist where you're constantly like running and working and everything and I guess I, I connect to it because I'm like, I'm a used bookworm and literary nut and everything. And I'm obsessed with like symbols and the unconscious collective, yeah. this idea. And to me, like tarot speaks of that so hard. And Absolutely. also in a way I feel in my practice because I'm such a, I'm always up in my head and I like think, think, think all the time. When I draw tarot for myself, now that I know the cards a little bit, I do it in a complete like non-verbal way which has completely changed my way of like, I see the card and I don't go in my head. This is the card of this mm. and this. I do it if I journal, but when I read, I don't really, I just get those feelings and emotion. And I get, I love this way of like, just experiencing things without explaining and rehashing. And yeah, so this has been yeah really cool. Like thought experiment in a way to sort of, and block a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can I ask yeah. when you yeah. um when you read for yourself? Um, mm-hmm. I have some uh, like I have some of the same experience of when I read for myself. I don't necessarily verbalize everything. Yeah, like, exactly. Higher narrative. I just kind of understand it. When you take the time to like journal and like write it out, mm-hmm. does that add? Um, does that like clarify it for you, or is that like like what? Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm asking. It, does that help uh, make the reading more um, coherent or meaningful or help you ingest it? Or is it just like putting down the same thing that you already understood in your head onto paper? So, uh, sometimes it does. Sometimes it just makes it more confusing trying to mm-hmm. explain. I feel like to me, journaling is more about uh, remembering the oh. reading and like trying to keep the lessons of it in the days after, because if you don't write it down, it makes super sense in the moment. And then it sort of evaporates yeah. a little bit. So I, to me, the discipline of writing it down is about like remembering and trying to sort of digest. And yeah. that's what brings like another, other layers of understanding to yeah. it. That's so, that's so interesting. Also, because, so can I ask, what is your astrological sign? I think I know this, but I forgot. Oh, uh, I'm like, I don't know a lot about astrology at mm-hmm. all. I'm pretty sure my sign, my sign is Scorpio. Is that the yeah. sun sign, the birth sign? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm a cancer rising. I'm a very watery person, but I know yeah. that without astrology. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. yeah. yeah. That's interesting. I asked that because, um, um, actually all, um, or I guess at the point that this episode airs, we will have had a yeah. representative of another sign or another element on. <laughs> but the first two interviews with Jordan and Harvey, oh, all three yeah. of us, all three of us are air signs. 
And <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And air, air corresponds to the suit of swords, which is, mm-hmm. um, it's a lot about like the mind, like communication, yeah. thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I think about that when I think about how people, um, understand themselves or sort of like digest or yeah hero mm-hmm. you know for me like the verbal element or putting things into words is really really helpful and kind of necessary yeah you know? totally yeah. Mm-hmm. and like you can um understand it possibly on like a uh, like internally on a with more ease than I can because my, my yeah. consciousness is constantly like, give it words or yeah. just exist, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, so interesting because you were asking how it has like uh, influenced my life. And I've noticed at the beginning, still a bit now, but at the beginning, I was so terrified and so in conflict with the suit of swords. Mm. Like every time I was like, what does it mean? I don't understand. Why is it so scary? I hate swords. What do they say? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and, and then, oh, cups. Oh, I love cups. Cups are wonderful. This is my place. This is my people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like sort of trying to reconciliate myself with the suit of swords has yep. been thing in my life. And I feel like has had ripples in my actual like life. Oh, nice. So Interesting. Part of like my journey sort of, yeah, this like reasonable, like trying to marry this emotion and this like reason and action. Mm-hmm. I feel like because I'm a very anxious person. So I feel like all my emotions are sometimes like they sort of drown me a little, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? To remain in this metaphor. So like to try and like develop this relationship with the suit of swords and try to all the lesson I learned from that, try to use that in everyday life has been a huge part, I feel like, of my tarot. Yeah, yeah. So like, how do you think, um, because this is so interesting, how do you think that swords can, um, uh, like, what do they have to offer as a, like, beneficial part of everyday life? Because, (laughs) you know, I like, I I agree, swords are like the scariest suit, like almost everybody (laughs) hates pulling swords, right? Totally. And like, as, as a double air sign, I'm like, damn it, like, (laughs) (laughs) why is this my suit? So I've done a lot of work on that too. Yeah. I feel like because it's the the suit of like reason and the double-edged sword, you know, mm-hmm. of everything. I feel like the suit is a bit like your inner parent Ooh. in a way that is like <laughs> trying to make you be like more reasonable and see the truth in things instead of seeing <laughs> your own truth inside. Yeah. Like it has, I feel like it has helped me try like in every day in in the few problematic relationships that I would have to try to not immediately go to anger or self-pity or wallowing and try to see both sides and try to like have sort of this the more just like views of mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and like and use and use your your emotions to like express them and communicate instead of being like all in your corner and being like nah. yeah. <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a great yeah. that's a great point. I think that's a great point. One of the nice things that swords can do is is definitely aid that communication and maybe like yeah. um um in its in its capacity of like logic and reason, it can help mm-hmm. one get some like distance or perspective on emotions. Yeah, Cause when emotions like when they're right up in your face, <laughs> like they can be really hard to to yeah. understand or to 
move through. So yeah. cool. Cool. This, <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the suit of swords. Yeah. totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Um, so tarot isn't the only, um, thing that you do in your daily life. So if I, or as I understand it, you also identify as a witch, right? Yeah, totally. A baby, baby witch, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk to me a bit about that? Because I also identify as a witch and yeah. like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I love talking to other people that feel this way. And I want to know like, you know, but what's your relationship to the word witch? You know, what does that identity mean to you? Like, do you have a, a like a, a, a daily or a weekly or a like sort of routine ritual or magical practice? Yeah, you know? yeah, totally. I'm, I'm trying. It's difficult, but I'm really trying. To me, like, I, it's funny because when I was like sort of going through your questions and preparing, I wrote like the word language in caps like <gasps> 10 times because I feel like this is my obsession in life. I study linguistics mm-hmm. and all, and tarot is a language in itself, you know, yes. with a, like different alphabet and everything. And so to me, like being a witch is really uh, creating your own language to talk to yourself. Mm. and if you can, the wider universe, but yourself uh, first, because I do believe like one of the, I'm not a Wicca practitioner practitioner, Mm -hmm. uh, in those terms, but there's a lot of like Wicca elements that I'm like really attached to, like the fact that uh, relationship, uh, relationship, uh, religions Mm -hmm. are languages we create to have a relationship with the unknown. Mm -hmm. And so they're all valid in a way because we, can't know the divine or anything so we create those different languages that work for different people in different times and places you know and to me like doing ritual is a language in a way where you select the objects that you use the words that you use the to me music is a big part as well mm-hmm. like of this kind of things and so I'm really yeah I'm really obsessed with that and the and I think also which is someone who really taps into this idea of the unconscious uh, collective the collective mm-hmm. unconscious backwards French mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I've had a really strong experience actually a few years ago when I started discovered that I read the classic um, is it uh, Spiral Dance by yeah Hawk, yeah. The, this classic thing and Mm -hmm. I read it sort of out of curiosity and there's this chapter at the beginning where she describes just the biggest tenets of the cults of the god and goddess and like all this thing and I read that and I I burst into tears oh wow like really reading this because for a start it was almost an exact parallel of like gods and things I had made up myself and I thought I had made up myself Mm -hmm. somehow Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had suddenly like, found something that I was supposed to know the whole time. And wow. I'd like forgotten or, you know, in a way. And it was such like, just, oh, just speaking about it, I'm sort of tearing up. And <laughs> uh, it was like this really so powerful. I felt like, oh, finally, I found this thing that I knew the whole time because yes. it's part of us all, you know. And it was like, it sort of blew my mind. And I think that was the first sort of step yeah. I took towards like practicing more mm-hmm. and I know that I don't necessarily like use this god and goddess thing that much mm-hmm. but there's yeah there's something very strong in that and it as I said it it paralleled my own personal gods so hard I was like okay so there is truth 
to this yes. that we all share the same imagination and there's this sort of universal things yeah. that we all tap into in different ways yeah and I had the, like part. yeah I had mm-hmm. such a similar experience with um um I I have spiral dance and I I've read parts of it but I haven't read the whole thing yeah, um, no, but no. I had a similar experience with um drawing down the moon uh, by Margot Adler, which is actually the book that I'm using to prop up my microphone right now. Well, it's, it, I mean, it takes, it, it definitely takes sort of like a, um, a his, like a sort of historical anthropological approach. Like mm-hmm. it gives you like the history of, um, sort of like goddess centered religions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. In addition to, um, cause Margot Adler was like a, a practicing, um, mm-hmm. Oh, I think that she was Wiccan or, but she was a high priestess. Yeah. Certain. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I was reading that years ago, mm-hmm. I had that same moment where I was reading it and I realized like, this is what I've thought all along. Yeah, totally. I didn't know it existed <laughs> out there like in print and that other people were thinking the same thing, you know? <laughs> so yes, yes, absolutely yeah. too. That like collective unconscious and yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, I think that also connects to a little bit to language and all of the beautiful things that you were saying about that, because like, it's so, it's so like healing and necessary to have those things that we think and we believe when we thought that we've been doing it alone to have that like spoken (laughs) to us in language. Uh Yeah. That is like, that's, and that, and I mean that happens to me in like little ways, like every day when I read people post and things and people experiences, and I go like, ah, yes, this, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and you're just you're speaking to my heart when you talk about like religions as language and tarot as a language. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, can I ask? Um, so when you were talking about uh, the god and the goddess, uh-huh. um, you also though like your pronouns are they, right? Yeah. Mm-mm. So when you're when you're working with a god and a goddess, or like you're thinking about mm-hmm. a god and a goddess, how does that work for you while also like being uh, non-binary? Is that right? Yeah, I mean uh, it's actually very complicated because in French we don't have a neutral uh, yeah. pronoun, so that just doesn't happen. And I go by she, and it's fine by me, mm-hmm. you know. But I've I've just dis- discovered being on the internet and everything, I've like toyed with the idea of using they for mm-hmm. myself on those like platforms. Yeah. And it's just, just thinking about it, I felt very strongly, I felt a weight being lifted on, off me, yeah. like so hard. And all of a sudden it made me feel like powerful and myself yes. and everything. And so I was like, I need to explore that mm-hmm. a lot more mm-hmm. because, yeah, it is very, very, very new to me. And I do still like identify as a woman. That's fine. But mm-hmm. yeah, there is something in there that is just so liberating and like powerful. Yeah. And because, yeah, it feels like it's just you're, then you're yourself. You're not already part of some category, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. that is true while, and I'm still very attached to the concept of the divine feminine. I feel like because it's been something that's been very healing in my life and very necessary at -hmm. some times in my life. So I'm like sort of trying to navigate all of this. I feel like regarding my tarot and my 
practice. For example, I, I wanted all my characters in my tarot to not have genders. Yeah. But they do have genders in my head. I know what genders they are to me. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I want other people to apply those same genders to those characters. Oh, mm-hmm. I just want everyone, every person who uses the tarot to have different vision, like this gender or no gender at all. Or, and I think that makes it so much like rit- rit- richer and more interesting. Yeah. So I sort of, yeah, try to navigate this gender, yeah. no gender. It's just <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's well, amazing. I think. Yeah, I, I think that's so necessary. I mean, that's really important to to explore. And yeah, you know, like I wonder, like when you were saying um, uh, that you still really like uh, like love and appreciate and identify with uh, aspects of the divine feminine, mm-hmm. but there's something powerful about being able to use the pronoun they in English. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel the same way. And I wonder if it's um, like what you said about then you just get to be like yourself instead of having this whole like the the qualities and assignments and like yeah. role of a whole group mm-hmm. being applied to you. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, yeah, those like this binary is still so dense and mm-hmm presence that even even though it's necessary and sometimes every tiny opportunity that we have to sort of let it go even for a minute is extremely productive yeah and necessary yeah 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 i i think that this is um um a great moment to start talking about your decks (laughs) yeah yeah so like um uh, Louise has created two decks, right? So there's the the small, the Nine Knights Oracle. Yeah, the tiny Oracle. Yeah, yeah, that I have and that I love. <laughs> um, and um, and then you've just created a new deck, a, a tarot mm-hmm. of your own. Absolutely. Um, yeah, which is fascinating. And I'll, I'll have you tell us a little bit. Uh, well, I'll have you tell us a little bit about it first, and then I'll and then I'll ask you <laughs> my questions. So, can you okay. tell us about? The deck that you've just made so uh it's called the the tarot of devotion mm-hmm. and so it's it's only like 40 cards but it's a tarot in that it has like suits and like minors and majors and so a whole like system mm-hmm. and so it's uh the whole idea was that it it represents a temple the minors are like medieval frescoes and the majors are stained glass windows which I'm obsessed with. Uh, <laughs> and one of the cards is the, the keystone. Is it what you call that? Yeah, the, the keystones. And the back of the cards are the doors. Yeah. So yeah. I've always loved the idea of tarot as like little worlds, as I was saying, like this bustling city and things. So I really wanted to have that represented in the cards and the way they're organized. Mm-hmm. And so you've got all the the minors that are called named like prudence and patience and the whole concept but that I wanted names that I like and I work in English and in French mm-hmm. that was the whole <laughs> things around all those weird names mm-hmm. and they represent sort of like everyday people and the majors are divinities so more like elemental energy like yeah. the wind the water the rain mm. sun and moon etc yeah uh, so like as a as a temple and as a, um, like, so as you were saying that, I was thinking, okay, this is a temple, but in the temple, it has, like, the divinities are the elements, the wind and the rain and, yeah, you know, totally. like, mm-hmm. so is it a, is it a temple to, 
um, like uh, the natural world or a temple to these like sort of um, um, archetypal forces that are at play? Uh, to me, it's more like a temple as a wide concept i'm very interesting in this idea of temples for example i've not been christian for years and years and years <laughs> and i'm quite opposed to the whole thing really but i'm obsessed with churches mm -hmm. like i go i live by a incredible cathedral which i'm incredibly lucky to be there where mm -hmm. i go to often and to me temples should just be temples where people come to worship whatever mm -hmm. they want to worship they should just be a place of reflection and silence and sort of togetherness mm -hmm. and so i don't want this to represent it that's why they have there's like different divinities you know it doesn't necessarily represent a temple to a religion mm -hmm. in like particular it's just a place where you can come and rest and think and feel safe you know yeah. that was the whole idea for me the idea of safe safe space was very important to me as well in creating this deck yeah, I love that. I love that. And I, I you know, I don't know if that was also your intention with creating Nine Nights, but mm -hmm. um, the little Nine Nights is a, just a nine card oracle, which it has a lot of similarities to. Yeah, um, some the of the characters version. are in both. Yeah. Yes. And like when I, when I like first got the deck in the mail and I started working with it, um, it just felt so comforting and so safe. And I think oh, I, I think I told you that, or I posted it on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just felt like this was a little, a little army of my own, yes. like protecting me. <laughs> like you definitely that, that intention comes through. Yeah. Like, that's loud. awesome because that's really what I want it to be. So yeah. that's the like best compliment. <laughs> good, good. Um, yeah. yeah, that's and and so um, uh, if we can talk a little bit more about the system you created. So yes. tarot in uh, in English, or well, not necessarily English, but in like American consciousness, it's <laughs> yes. like the the seventy eight card, mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, so, traditional system, yeah, mm -hmm. and. Um, so like, so yours is different from that, as you said, mm -hmm. it doesn't work yeah. with like, you know, the four suits in the traditional tarot and yeah, doesn't have absolutely. like the high priestess and the empress, <laughs> et cetera. Um, yeah. So I want to know what the word tarot means to you. Actually, I called that a tarot without really thinking about it, because to me, it's a tarot because of the whole like system and construction mm -hmm. and everything in the way you read it and then I had a lot of people going like, oh, it's more of an oracle. I was like, that's fine as well. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, the fact that it has like a system, like a, a system of minors and majors sets mm -hmm. it apart from almost all of the, or well, actually all of the oracle decks mm -hmm. that I can think of. I mean, not that oracle decks don't have a system, but like yours is more mm -hmm. structured um, yeah, than any other oracle that I've seen. So I think it, that sets it apart and it makes sense to call it a tarot of a sort. Yeah, it feels like to me, oracles don't really have a like uh, hierarchy. Mm -hmm. They're more like, I, I was thinking about that actually and I, and I wrote something really silly, where is it? Uh, to me, like an oracle is more like a set of tools. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more like a, a, a utility belt of things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> to me, that's really it. Whereas a tarot encompasses a whole like mini world mm -hmm. inside. To me, that's really the difference. 
That makes it's sense. Really and I love, I love both. I really love Oracle decks as well. I love their simplicity. I love when they're like mm-hmm. the smaller number of cards. And I, and I have so many ideas for so many Oracle decks that I want to make them <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Yay. And, and so, um, uh, so the Tarot of Devotion is made of three suits, like three minor yeah. suits, mm-hmm. totally. um, which are called um, witches, yes. pilgrims, and knights, yeah. right? And knights. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know about those suits. So where did the yeah. inspiration yeah. for those three names mm. and the differences between them? Like- yeah. So that comes definitely from my general obsession that I have for the medieval that <laughs> you mm. can see in all of the different arts that I do. And I've always been so interested about the archetype of the white knight mm. and the specifically and the archetype of the witch yeah. as, and I wanted to sort of use them, but also transform them because to me, the, uh, the archetype of the knight is sort of an archetype of like toxic masculinity in that it's sort of a, it's a role that you put on that completely uh, like, like hides and destroys your own identity as a person mm-hmm. and you become the white knight you know you become this idea and this ideal and you have to fight for other people uh-huh. and so this idea of this mental being put on and subsequently like sort of completely destroying the person inside was always very mm. like interesting to me whereas the witch on the contrary when it's considered like a negative like feminine archetype is more about um, to me, like personal power, yeah, instead of service to a community, and so I thought I thought that was really like interesting is that it's a it's a masculine archetype which is completely about service, mm-hmm. and it's a feminine archetype which is about being selfish yeah. and having personal powers, and so I thought there's like. The, their archetype there's so many different representations there's not one truth of it or not but I think it's so rich mm-hmm. in like symbols and like even like spiritually working on those archetypes trying to understand how they've been used yeah. etc so I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to use that of course in my deck the knights are are not like that negative right but they are they are about uh about service about community about others about defending and protecting yeah. in a way whereas witches are about uh personal power and creativity and sort of madness a little bit like productive madness uh-huh you know which is what i love about them and the pilgrim in the contrary are they're sort of here to cool everything down but mm-hmm. knights and witches are really intense about what they do and pilgrims are about just being open, opening yourself to the unknown and taking this time mm-hmm. and just asking questions, but not even waiting for the answer, really just being into this state of, you know, like, of yeah, of spiritual quest and just openness yeah. in general. Yeah. So to me, that's what those three yeah. are about. <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. you, you've got these like, three modes there's like there's service there's mm-hmm. um uh personal power and creation mm-hmm. and then yeah. there's like the spiritual um the spiritual openness the spiritual seeking and like yeah. when i think of pilgrims i also think of like someone who who studies or something yeah exactly you know? 
yeah, yeah. It's about that it's about questioning and waiting and sort of being comfortable in a state of not knowing mm-hmm. as well so making it your home and not you know just resting with it and yeah show it to me that's what they're about <laughs> yeah I love that I love that I love how you're playing with those <laughs> archetypes and I remember the first time that we talked about this was when um I did a reading for you months yeah, ago totally. mm-hmm. yeah, and we talked about um like we got on the subject of this and your your comments about knights and sort mm-hmm. of like the um at least as I remember it I remember thinking that what mm-hmm. you were talking about is like the higher form of a knight because I think of knights negatively yeah. because I think of like mm-hmm. toxic masculinity and like Absolutely. violence yeah, yeah mm-hmm. and like conquest you know like yeah. the military <laughs> knight instead totally. of the fact that they <laughs> um uh, they're what, well, I guess what they originally did, they're just people that like show up in service to their land and their community Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. totally like reversed that, um, reversed (laughs) and complicated my own conception of knights. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I I feel like, yeah, all those archetypes are like so ingrained in us and so incredibly rich. I feel like I'm going to be working with them for the rest of my life. If I'm honest, it's just, it mm-hmm. fascinates me. Mm-hmm. And having mm-hmm. a, having a sort of like feminine masculine in the nights and a yeah. masculine feminine in the witches. I'm <laughs> yeah, so interested in this. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. This is like my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. I want to be in your world, in your mind. Um, and so, and how about the, how about the divinity? So you said that these are like higher elements. So mm-hmm. these are the majors in your suit totally. or in so your those tarot. Are, yeah. Those are based actually on my own system of divinities, which I sort of made up throughout the years from when I was a teenager oh, wow. <laughs> for my own practice. And that are now really like ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, they all have, I mean, I would have to take them like one by one, but they all have different like attributes and sort of different energy. One that I really, really love that I've been working with a long time is the, the divinity of the wind, mm-hmm. uh, who in the deck wears a big, uh, a big cloak of feather and is like in front of a, a sea and a tempest. I love this. Uh, yeah. I love this divinity because uh, they're all about uh, madness to mm. me and like what is what is your own special brand of madness and mm. how can you use that to create things and to liberate yourself and it can also be a bit dangerous right. but also exhilarating like you know like a day where the wind is high and you're like oh my god uh-huh. I feel one with the elements right now <laughs> <laughs> oh and and um how about so your day job is a tattoo artist yeah right? And, um, uh, some of your tattoo art is, well, it's, it's a lot the same style as the art that's in your, your tarot. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's my own, like, signature art style. (laughs) Yeah. Do you do, like, um, when you tattoo, like, I know you do, uh, tattoos of, like, figures from tarot sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you feel like when you do that, like, um. Is tattooing a form of uh, ritual almost? Oh, like totally. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's why I was attracted to that to begin with. Like before, I, I've been tattooing for a year, so I'm also a baby in that. 
but I, I have tattoos on my own that I've had done before that. And to me, they've always been a form of uh, war paint and yeah. you know, protective like sigils and stuff. That's a very, very like important aspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I've met a lot of people like through my practice who are using like tattoos for the same reasons or that as tools for healing from trauma as well mm-hmm. uh, sometimes or as a way of affirming a side of your personality that you want to make stronger or mm-hmm. this kind of things and that's really fascinating and I've, I've had like I've met awesome people like tattooing I think also because I do so many designs that are around tarot and spiritual things I think I've managed to attract to me like-minded people yeah which like really amazing I've yeah I've met a few people with whom we've had like very like deep moments like Mm -hmm. tattooing or coming up with the coming up with the different patterns and how it fits in their history and like no it's been amazing I've always been obsessed by people in my life so I feel like this is the best profession that I could have chosen (laughs) for myself yeah Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that completely. And you mentioned like, I mean, I have I have some I've got a number of tattoos and pretty much every single one of them was very intentionally selected as like, even before I had a magical practice or identified as a witch or anything. That's what they served like the Mm -hmm. act of deciding on something working on a design Mm -hmm. with an artist and then sitting through it it's like a totally yeah yeah it's (laughs) power it's powerful yeah that is like the most important like to me and I really I really want to as I like mature as a tattoo artist and start getting more client I really want to work on that more like be able to work on people's personal history and come up Mm -hmm. come out with the design with them and I've really like yeah Mm -hmm. know where the where the designs come from and what they mean. And that's really what I'm interested in. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And you said, um, you mentioned sigils when you were talking about your tattoo work and you have sigils on each of the tarot devotion cards. (laughs) I'm so interested in sigil work and I don't know like very much about it at all. How did you create those sigils? This is not a question that I put in the questions I sent you. Yeah. So we're, we're going off <laughs> oh, the map. That's, that's absolutely fine. Uh, actually, those were, I've always like been interested in like sigil work because it's another form of language that I find fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I've always had those little um, symbols for the divinities mm-hmm. that I've just drawn for myself and I have them tattooed all over me in like different like symbolic places mm-hmm. and the fact that I put uh, sigils on every card in this has actually been inspired by Harvey yeah interviewed Harvey I'm James obs- episode yeah, five <laughs> I'm obsessed with their their work and when they got my nine nights oracles they used I had put also little sigils on the side as little mm-hmm. symbols mm-hmm. and they really use them to design new sigils and do something with them and so I was like may, maybe a lot of people will like ignore them or see them as decoration and that's absolutely fine but I wanted to have this extra tool in the tarot that people can use if that's their kind of language that they're attracted to and their kind of practice mm-hmm. so that they would already have those little symbols that they can use and transform and like integrate in whatever they're doing yeah. so that was like sort of I wanted to be a sort of extra little present 
in a way, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> in the deck. Mm-hmm. And so hope people do cool stuff with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and you, like when you, uh, when you created those sigils, did they just come to you or is there like sort of, um, are you incorporating, uh, symbols from like elsewhere like you know no, they they have all like the design them sort of like instinctively yeah and and sl- in a slight like pictograms a little bit like when i draw them i'm like oh this line represents like the valley and this represents the peak mm-hmm. of a mountain you can't of course you can't really see that in the final like results because that's not the goal but that's sort of like i try to do it in a very very primitive yeah. way like you know the first alphabets where people drew like the v and that was an ox and like this kind yeah. of thing i think yeah. to sort of sort of tap into that oh. to design them yeah yeah that's amazing it really does like i i don't have that that deck in my hands yet although it's in the mail yeah. <laughs> oh, i hope it gets here soon <laughs> i'll be too and i'm like from what i've what i've seen of it online it has a feeling to it of something like ancient or like primeval or you know something that just like goes back a long time Mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah that's always what I'm like running after in my art I feel that's why I've got this very like geometric sort of inspired by stained glass window and everything and my characters often they don't really have eyes you know they just have a line they're very like very simple and I've always wanted to my my designs to look like ancient frescoes like very simplified very primitive very archetypal Mm -hmm. as well that's really what I'm like trying to achieve (laughs) when I I draw things yeah yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) you are a multi-talented person um so you are a tattoo artist (laughs) you've created uh uh two different decks Mm -hmm. um uh you also are a writer so I wanted yeah, to make sure yeah. to talk about this, yeah. <laughs> especially with everything you were saying before about language and mm, yeah, totally. I mean, you're speaking you're speaking my language as <laughs> a, a fellow writer and a language nerd, and mm-hmm. like, so yeah. Let's talk about writing. You are also a writer. What do you write? <laughs> yeah, I am trying to write uh, novels mostly. Although right now, like the like drawing and everything has like taken over my life. Mm-hmm. in a, in a big way but like I'm working I'm working on the website for the tarot right now it will be out hopefully when this podcast comes out oh yeah because I really want people to have like little beginnings of meanings and things to work with it's mm-hmm. almost done so at least I've had that mm-hmm. in my life but one thing I've noticed other than general capitalism I need to earn a living kind of way and I don't have the time uh-huh. I've noticed in a big way, I've always like loved books and fantasy and I've always written a lot and read a lot. Mm-hmm. And there's a phenomenon that I've, I've heard other people talk about that and I'm sort of fascinated by it. I feel like with all the political things that have been happening mm-hmm. with uh, Trump and Brexit and all the shit that is happening in my country right now, it's mm-hmm. a real mess. It has started to feel like indulging in fantasy in a way has become childish Mm. and irresponsible in Mm. a way that it has never felt in my life. I've never been so, and I never judge people for, I mean, I play video games all day. I read books. I like, I would never judge someone who does it, Mm -hmm. but I, and I've heard that a lot from like comedic, uh, comedy writers, Mm -hmm. 
especially, but also all sorts of writers, this kind of block, this kind of crisis of fantasy that we're having right now with everything that's happening, that we sort of like going away from the real world seems the real world seems to not be an option anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't really, I just, I'm just noticing this. I really don't really know what to do with it, Yeah, how to make it better, how to change it. But I'm sure like, I've heard that from a lot of other people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I, I, you know, in a way I think that, or I see people engaging in fantasy, um, I, I think we see an uptick of that, like an increase in that yeah. when things are so horrible mm-hmm. and just yeah. <laughs> because people need to escape, right? They need yeah, to escape this like shit that. world you know? <laughs> and, and go somewhere else for a while. And so in a way, like, I mean, I think that that can be the utility of fantasy is yeah, um, sure. as mm-hmm. a, as a reprieve, you know? Yeah. And I mean, but also like, yeah, I, I also understand that it definitely feels frivolous when this stuff is going yeah. on, mm-hmm. but like, uh, well, and when, um, so, uh, Aaron and I just, uh, finished watching, um, uh, a TV show, uh, on Netflix called last kingdom, not a sponsor, oh, yeah, but it's based, <laughs> yeah, it's based on, it's based on a, um, a, a series of, not, I mean, not necessarily, I wouldn't call them fantasy novels, but like historical fiction, historical, recreation yeah. mm-hmm. sort of yeah. things. But there's a lot of like religious stuff in there, <laughs> which I find interesting. Anyway. Oh, that's cool. We were like, as we watched that, we were talking about how like certain characters reminded us of like Trump or of oh, something yeah. else. So then <laughs> totally. I, we were doing this interesting thing where like the thing that we're using for escapism, we are also like sort of projecting our everyday uh, political demons onto it and Uh seeing that same sort of like those same um, roles or archetypes in Mm -hmm. characters and fantasy. Yeah, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. like, I I don't know. I mean, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking as I am coming up with these ideas, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> <Me> like, <too. laughs> is, is maybe, um, I don't know, is maybe like, um, fantasy writing, could that be a way of sort of looking at the world that we mm-hmm. live in, uh, yeah, through a different lens yeah. in order to understand it in a new way? And I, I do feel like that's been my journey because there's a book I finished a couple times and I'm now starting to rewrite in a very very different way mm-hmm. and I, be- I believe in that in like leaving some projects behind mm-hmm. until you like mature enough as a person so you can like tackle them in a whole different way but I really mm-hmm. yeah it's always been my my lifelong ambition to be a published writer so I hope this <laughs> will happen. at some point but I've but I've noticed how the real world I've been like disrupting it so hard also because in the last year I feel like everything has happened at the same time I've become a lot more political than I was before because you just uh, you just don't have a choice right now mm-hmm. and you must I feel mm-hmm. uh, and me also discovering witchcraft and doing this tarot and everything has sort of happened in the same like at the same time so I feel it's been a hugely like transformative moment uh-huh. and maybe I just need this whole thing to sort of settle and like this new person to you know grow a little bit before I can like go back 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That. And, oh, that's something I forget to mention. I just going back in the conversation <laughs> yeah. when we were talking about like witchcraft and the importance of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a hugely important like uh, activism as much as you can is to me a really important part of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has it became like really quickly apparent to me in my practice that you cannot call yourself a witch and practice witchcraft if you're not also trying to change the world in some way and yeah. to do something good in the world. And this has been, I'm also a baby with that. I'm a, I, if you ask me, I identify as a page in my mm-hmm. life all mm-hmm. the time right now. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I feel I, I am in all the different suits. I'm just <laughs> learning and trying to be better at, at everything. And that's yeah. important. And as a person with high levels of anxiety that has a hard time going to protest and everything i feel like witchcraft has been a way to try and build courage where there wasn't before Mm. to try to participate in the world a lot more so Mm. i don't want i don't want witchcraft to be about retreating in your own corner and Mm. lighting some candles and making a bubble around yourself i want it to be about bursting through the bubble and going out and trying to do good things so i'm learning that i'm trying to do that in my everyday life it's uh it's a struggle (laughs) but it's hugely important to me and i'm really inspired by all the awesome people that i see also and the oh you have a ghost or a partner oh yeah did Aaron just (laughs) he finally finally got up Yeah. And, uh, so that's been very important. I've been trying like little, little baby steps by little baby steps to be more involved in that, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I really, that really resonated with me because mm-hmm. like, I mean, in, in the capacity of like, of like doing witchcraft, like, you yeah. know, like mm-hmm. making, making a ritual or, or doing a spell or setting intentions mm-hmm. really effectively, like what you're doing is trying to, um, um, like shift your own reality. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it is, and with the witches in, in the tarot of devotion, they're about that personal power, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's so much about empowerment and like actively um, changing the world around us. And I guess if we're not going to be the negative stereotype of a witch and be completely (laughs) selfish, we got to try to do that. Not just for ourselves. yeah. There's a card actually in the tarot that I posted about, which is called Subversion. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it uh, represents a person like uh, taking a sword out of the ground and breaking it. Oh, yeah, I and, remember. I saw that. Uh, and so to me, that was really the image of like the, the sword of King Arthur sort of representing like the old order of things mm-hmm. and patriarchy and all the old systems and trying to, with your little like tiny dagger that this character is carrying like trying to break it and change it Mm -hmm. and that yeah that's hugely important to me that's why it's one of the cards in there (laughs) yeah I really wanted in this tarot I feel like all of the all of the minors at least are all like traits and pursuits and things that I want to include more in my life Mm -hmm. and so that was also a way of trying to to share this with people and mm-hmm. as I as I said when I uh, introduced it on the website, this tarot is like it has no negative cards mm-hmm. like the Smithwaite has. It's not about good or bad moments. It's not really about moments. It's about traits that you can 
embody and use and try to different things that you can try to be at different moments mm-hmm. so to me that's really what it represents mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah that and uh, when you were um when you were creating the deck were there sort of like I don't know, are there any, are there any cards or any suits in your tarot that, uh, sort of resonate on the same like frequency as some of the cards in tarot or some of the suits in tarot? Oh like, yeah, when- yeah, yeah, totally. I feel like sometimes on purpose, sometimes not on purpose at all, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've got, I've got a card, for example, one of the pilgrim is called, uh, preparation. And he's totally um, there, totally inspired by the page of cups, mm. which is mm-hmm. my favorite. And the I feel like this is my card in tarot. I feel like this is me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> this, this person with the with the cup. And so I've I've used this one really on purpose, although it's the meaning of it is like different. But it was a symbol that was too important to me in a way to not. Mm. Uh, include I, I don't remember but I keep noticing like sometimes like little similarities here and there and I'm really curious to to know what people think right <laughs> yeah. That, really. yeah that's why actually I haven't done a, uh, there's not a booklet in the tarot I'm doing a website mm-hmm. with a, also because I want it to be cheaper so it will be easier for people to get I don't want to make a tarot that's like incredibly expensive the whole point is to share it with people yeah (laughs) you know not to make the most money possible (laughs) so and also I want to be able to add to all the cards explanation Mm -hmm. as other people discover them and talk Mm -hmm. about them and maybe have ideas because even with the oracle of nine nights like the few people that have posted about it I've just discovered new things and see seen things in new lights yeah and I just so I want it to be evolving like that so people can like participate and add their own little. Yeah. I really want it to be a community thing that people can, yeah. can, make, can make their own. That's very important to me. That's, that's so beautiful because it's also then in a way it's, it's evolving. And so it's not, it's not static. It's constantly yeah. moving. And it's also almost like, um, so you're, you're creating something that comes on some level from the collective unconscious you know, you're drawing on these yeah. things and then you're like welcoming the collective to inform the meanings of the Yeah, co- I mean, and, and, that, and that's what tarot is. I think the traditional tarot, you can't really say there's a fixed me- meaning yeah. to any of those cards. Like you read about them and sometimes I read a meaning of a card and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And sometimes I read something else, something else and I'm like, yes. <laughs> this, is the truth. this is the one. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, and that's what's so fascinating about tarot is that it's so like diverse and complex, and there's no one authority on it. Mm-hmm. That's what I've been loving about tarot in general, and also the fact that there's no there's no hierarchy in learning. Even though there are people who have written books, but the way I'm learning tarot is almost exclusively from reading other people mm-hmm. on Instagram from mm-hmm. listening to your podcast, which has been a huge inspiration as well, <laughs> and all your wonderful spread that always teach me like so, so much. Oh, and I, I love that we're teaching each other yeah. this. Yeah. Instead of having this authority who's teaching us and then there's rules. And then I love this, yeah. the, the anarchy, beautiful. I created <laughs> anarchy <like> this. <laughs> to, me it's, to me, it's so important. Mm-hmm. So, and I, yeah, I'm really wary of people 
who would say they have the truth about tarot or about me or about anything that is like no yeah (laughs) yeah not how this works that's not why this is beautiful so no (laughs) yes yes agreed agreed and that's and that's exactly why you can't um like get like a certification quote unquote in tarot like you know (laughs) like that which which some I mean you can find websites and teachers and stuff that will offer that but like I you know there's no there's no one right way to do it and I think if you're just memorizing a a booklet and memorizing definitions for every card you're not building your own relationship with it and really understanding it like richness to that yeah and I'm and I'm not saying no one should pay a tarot teacher go pay tarot teachers people (laughs) that is important I'm just saying there should not be uh, one centralized Right, exactly. Well, I mean, I teach I teach tarot yeah. at a local community college. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I want to live in Portland. Yes, yeah. please <laughs> come, come. But like when I when I teach it, like um, one of the most wonderful things that I find is that I always learn something from my students, even if. Yeah, exactly. And I know, like almost all teachers say that, but like I really mean it. <laughs> Even if yeah, my students sure. have never like used tarot before, mm-hmm. the perspective that they bring to it, which is different from my own, like it, like, yeah. ugh, like just lights me up and and forms the way that I understand yeah. it in huge ways. Mm-hmm. And you know, I never like some people ask me like, well, what does this card mean? And I'm like, well, it can mean this or it can mean that, but like, Mm -hmm. what does it mean for you? And sometimes when you pull a card in a reading, it's going to mean something completely different than all of the other times you've Mm -hmm. ever pulled it. (laughs) That's so so important to me, but I'm I'm a learner in general. I think that's so, and uh, that's actually happened in my life with uh, tattoos as well in a way that I was not expecting Mm-hmm. Is like you chat with people a lot when you're tattooing them, and I've learned so many things from people. Yeah, so many amazing clients that study amazing things or have jobs that I don't understand, <laughs> or life experiences that I don't know about, and I feel like I've uh, I've like I was so sad when I stopped being a student because I love learning mm-hmm. and studying, and I feel like I've invited that into my life in a completely different way that I was not expecting, mm-hmm. and that is like so cool I just that about everything I do is just learning from people new things every day yeah yeah oh agreed I'm a lifelong student and like I think that the problem when we leave school is that there's no longer like the community to learn with Mm -hmm. and so it can feel isolating and we don't have people Mm -hmm. to talk to but then that's what we have on Instagram. (laughs) Anybody listening to this podcast that isn't on there yet uh, yeah. <laughs> highly, highly recommend it. There's such a beautiful, yeah. vibrant community it there. It, there is. And that's why I also listen to so many podcasts. Yeah. So being on this podcast is like surreal and amazing. <laughs> and thank you for inviting me. <laughs> well, of course. I After feel like seeing... I am in the podcast now. You are. You through the mirror. <laughs> You've arrived. You're in Wonderland. Totally. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So is there, we're, we're coming up on time. Um, Is there anything that you want to say or add that you haven't gotten to Uh, say yet? 
I don't think so. I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> yeah, this was an amazing conversation. <laughs> Actually, I would just, uh, oh, thank you so much. I was so glad to get to talk with you. Yes, I know. Thank you. This was amazing. And before we go, can you yeah. um, tell us where to find you online? Yeah, so my, uh, my Instagram is uh, novembre, so in French, uh, underscore uh, tarot. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, underscore uh, tattoo for my tattoos, if people are interested in that. Mm-hmm. I have my Etsy shop, which is uh, Louise November, all in one word, but the links are on my thing. The website is coming up, so it should be up when this comes out. So it's uh, November dot one, like the number one, O-N-E, with mm-hmm. all the things on it. Mm-hmm. And I would, yeah, I would just encourage people to like check out the tarot. And if you have it in your hands to share as much info with me, <laughs> on your reaction as you can i will never get sick of that i want to see everybody like use it mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and uh and also to tell people that i'm always when when i can when i financially can but i'm always open to like partial trades mm-hmm. for readings or artwork or everything on this tarot to be as accessible to people yeah. as possible the sad thing is that meeting in france the shipping costs mm-hmm. kill me every time with the US mm-hmm. but I'm always like, willing to sort of try to sort things out and find solutions when I can so yeah. as many people can get it yeah as thank possible. you <laughs> and you're gonna have that um uh you're gonna keep so you've you've printed a batch of tarot of devotion now yeah. are you planning to keep printing them so there will yes. be some available in your totally. Etsy shop totally because I am always very short on funds I have to print very small quantities mm-hmm. uh, every time, but as they sell out, I will continue printing them as much as I can. Yeah, I want I want people to get them. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, as much as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Cool. And I will put all of the the links uh, to where you can find Louise in the yeah, notes cool. at the bottom of the show, so people can do that and get their own deck. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you so much, Louise. This has been uh, this truly was a amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Bye. All right. So I hope that you all enjoyed that conversation so, so much, as much as I did. Um, I have a few updates from Louise. Uh, Now that people have got their hands on the Tarot of Devotion, including myself, I've got my deck in the mail, I have been using it, I adore it. There are a few cards in particular in there that are just like, I don't know, they're speaking to me on whole new levels. Um, I highly recommend this deck and it's it's good quality card stock too. Um, So yeah, that's the Tarot of Devotion. Uh, Now that Louise... um, has that out into people's hands and has been seeing photos of folks using the cards in action and getting feedback from people. Uh, Louise wanted me to say thank you to all of the beautiful people who have uh, purchased the deck and are participating in giving this feedback. Um, They also wanted me to say that this is one of the most uh, powerful experiences that they've had in their life. Um, this experience of creating something and then having people use it in this way. And Louise also has some other cool stuff going on now. They're doing a challenge on Instagram and uh, on their webpage right now called Pick Up a Sword. 
Uh, and this is entirely geared towards understanding the suit of swords beyond its sort of <laughs> scary facade, um, like we talked about in, in the interview we just did. Uh, they've made some really cool and beautiful, of course, <laughs> printable resources for journaling that are available on their webpage. Um, and again, that webpage is novembre.one. So N-O-V-E-M-B-R-E dot O-N-E. So check that out also for their guide for the Tarot of Devotion. That's on there too. And Louise is also starting work on their own version of the Smithwaite Tarot this year. And I am so excited <laughs> to see what Louise does with the imagery of that deck. I am so excited. All right, that's it for this episode. I'll see you again in two weeks for more stuff, more ethics conversations, and the tarot lesson on the threes. All right, till then, stay magical. Bye. We're running in circles, but we live with lines. We put ourselves in boxes when the air is just fine. We're digging down to the earth. You've been listening to The Word Witch. Our theme music is Counting Rice by Bitches in the Beehive. Their album Itty Bitty Spaces is out now. The Word Witch is written, produced, and recorded by me, Claire Burgess. Our logo is designed by me too. Editing and tech support come from Danu Vino. You can follow The Word Witch on Instagram at the.word.witch. You can book tarot readings, find out about upcoming classes, and join our newsletter at thewordwitchtarot.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, join my Patreon at patreon.com slash thewordwitchtarot. For as little as $1, you'll receive collective tarot readings, tarot and astro content, downloads of my zines, and podcast outtakes and extras. Plus, you'll help make this podcast possible and help support a working witch. If you have a question for The Word Witch, email us at thewordwitchpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Till next time, stay magical. We're all just trying to shoot the moon. Using everything we